Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. What role does God have in your life? What role does He fill? I'm here at the church as the, as the pastor, and so I fill the role of preaching the word and, and teaching it. Uh, I, I fill uh, the role of working with our outreach efforts. I fill different roles in the church. Well, what role does God fill in your life? And you might say, you know, come up with a bunch of different ones. And, and the psalm we're going to look at today, Psalm 68, um, it talks about multiple roles of God, and it's interesting because this, this, this passage is like, um, it says, uh, it talks about him being the warrior, that God is a warrior for us, a warrior on our behalf. And it goes through and just talks in big and amazing ways about him. It talks about how, how he defeats our enemies and how he provides for us and how he protects us and how he gives us direction and how he is overall and can be seen in all and can be trusted and dependent on all of these things in Psalm 68. Big stuff. I mean, the way you read it, it's just like, wow, this is God. And then it addresses a specific role of God, which we are going to look at this morning. But before I do, we need to to set a little background, okay? And so the first thing we need to understand today is that our first father, Adam, failed and let us down. True? We know the story. He's in the garden there. He's with his, his wife, Eve, and Satan comes along and tempts them and says, hey, you know what? You can take care of this. You don't need to depend on God. God, you know, he's not telling you the whole truth because here's the deal. If you'll take matters into your own hands and do what you think is right, then you'll be like God. And they bought into it. And they sinned against God. They disobeyed God. And as a result, what do we experience in our world? (laughs) Anybody have any pain this morning? When you're out, okay. Anybody have any car troubles on the way? Nobody, okay. Um, Did you get upset with anybody on the way? Maybe. The point is, even this morning, I'm sure if you look around, you can say, I can see some of the consequences of sin in our world. Because all of the pain, all of the suffering, all of the hardship, the wrongdoing, uh, the evil that we see, all of that is the result of Adam having, having chosen to sin. He was the first human being. He's our first father. Okay? And so all of this trouble has come because of his decision. And Eve with him. Uh, the, in Romans chapter 5, Paul says this. He says, through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin And thus death spread to all men because what? All sinned. And so Adam's pattern, he's passed that down to us and we continue it. And all the problems that it it brings, okay? So our first father failed us in a huge way and we are all affected. Which leads us to the reality that our earthly fathers have been affected as well, haven't they? 
by sin. For all have sinned, including our earthly fathers. And so the second thing I want you to understand today is that, that our own fathers have all failed and let us down. They've all failed and let us down. You may say, wait, wait a minute. My dad was a great dad. Well, I'm sure he was a great dad, if, if, you, if you feel that and experience that. But I can guarantee you, he was not a perfect dad. And it might not even be things that you know about in his life, but I can guarantee you that your father, your human father, failed at some point. And for some of you, that failure might be huge. For some of you, that failure might be that you don't even know who your father is. Or, or you've been abandoned by your father. Or you were abused by your father. Terrible things. But whether you've had those really bad hardships or you have what you'd say a good dad, nonetheless, there were things that he failed you. And because I, I think about my own life as a father. And actually, let me just think about my own father. I miss my dad. That kind of hit me this week for some reason, thinking about it. I miss my dad. I don't miss the way he was at the end of his life when he was struggling with dementia. I don't miss that. But I miss my dad, the dad that I knew and grew up with. And he, he was a great dad and, and did so many good and right things. But I can tell you for sure, I'm not going to go into detail on them, but there were a few things, choices he made that brought harm to me. And I don't think he even knew it. But he brought difficulties in my life, things that I have struggled with because he was not a perfect dad. He failed in some way. And I think about myself, when I think about my own children, uh, all six of them, and, and I think, was I a good dad? And I can say generically, yeah, I was a good dad. I loved them, I tried to be a good dad to them. But I know for a fact that, that I failed them on multiple times. Not always things that they would even know about. But I failed them by not really being always the man God wanted me to be. And if I'm not being the man God wants me to be, I can't be the father that my children need. And so what I want you to see here today is this, that whether you have what you would consider to be a great father and a great upbringing, or whether you've had the worst experience with father that we could even imagine talk about, and everywhere in between, that our fathers have failed us at some point. Okay? And that's important for us to understand. Um, because here's, here's the thing. They say, if, if you find yourself and maybe being defensive, as I've said, talked about this, our father, you're kind of defensive about your dad. First, I like that. I hope my kids would be defensive about their dad, you know. But if you find yourself feeling defensive, I want you to realize that our concern about this is that if my... Wasn't I important enough for my dad to do a better job? Do you understand that question? If, if my dad failed me in some way, why, what, what was wrong with me that he didn't think I was worth doing it right? Now, I'm not saying that's the right way of thinking. But I'm saying that is the way we often think. So this idea of having a father is really, really crucial for us. And I would say that we have a desire to have a father. We may not have a desire to have the father that we've experienced in life, right? That's possible. But we have a desire to have a father. And I believe that was put in us by God. We need a father. 
And, and so this is the next thing, that we are all in need of a Father who won't fail us and let us down. We all, this is what we need. This is what we long for. And, and so it's really important that, that we come to grips with this truth. We're all in need of a Father who will not fail and will not let us down, one who will provide for us, one who will protect us, one who will direct us, one who will be an example for us. Uh, that's what we're looking for. We're all in need of a Father who won't let us down. Because I don't want to communicate here, and I'm not, it's, just not uh, it's really not a discouraging message. Hang in there with me, okay? <laughs> because human fathers can make a huge difference. They can, uh, and the way they do that is by understanding God as their father, and what does that mean, and how do they live that out? Very important. Now, it's interesting as we look at the scripture that we see that there's some key people who God worked through, what we might call heroes of the faith, who were either had their father removed from them or they were removed from their fathers. And, and it seems like that this becomes part of how they became who they were. And so I want you to see that when, when I'm talking about we are all in need of a father who won't fail us and let us down, if we have fathers, human fathers who fail us and let us down, we are not doomed by any stretch of the imagination. Um, David says in Psalm 27, in verse number 10, he says, when my, my uh, mother and father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. The Lord will come and make up that difference. And so we see in Joseph's life, Joseph was removed from his family and from certainly, reset the lips here. He was removed from his father, okay, as a young man for years. And we know what God did with him. God brought him to the top of Egypt and saved all of God's people alive because he was there. God had planned that, and, but he had removed him from his family to do that. Moses, what, three months old, has to leave. He's not raised in his family. He's not raised with his father around. He's raised by Pharaoh, but ultimately we know what God did with Moses. And then there's Samuel, you know, little, little baby Samuel that, that Hannah had asked God to give her. And when she did, then he goes and he, he lives at the, the tabernacle with the high priest. And he isn't home. He doesn't have a, his father there with him. And yet God used Samuel greatly. And let's just talk about this. Hopefully I can encourage you that no matter what your father has been or not been, whether he's been there or he's not been there, is that Jesus had an adoptive father, right? Because God, Heavenly Father, was his, his uh, father. He was miraculously conceived. Um, and Joseph was a good man. We read about him with all this stuff was going down. He's described as a good man. And yet for some reason, by the time we see Jesus older, Joseph's not in the picture anymore. God has removed Joseph somehow, some way. And so we have Jesus without his 
earthly, without an earthly father. How did Jesus do? Well, that's different. That was Jesus, right? But the reality is that Jesus lived his human life the way you and I live ours. He had to live it uh, day in and day out the way we are supposed to live ours. Uh, he did not use his God powers, if you want to describe them that way, unless the Heavenly Father told him to. So he lived his life like we did. So at some point he lost his father. But what I want to say to you is that God did not leave Jesus fatherless. Let's look here in Psalm 68. This is a role that in the middle of all these huge roles, like I said, warrior, provider, perfecter, defender, uh, creator, we see this, verse 5 of chapter 68. A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. And we'll be chewing through this here in a little bit. Um, Jesus, when he talks about his father, talking about God, it's over 150 times in the Gospels that Jesus refers to, his fa his, refers to God as Father. There are lots of things he could have referred to him as, but he refers to him as Father. And of course, that, that, that overlaps. Some of those are, are repeats. You might say, read the Gospels. When we look at the Gospel of John, though, in the Gospel of John alone, 97 times Jesus talks about my Father. My Father, talking about God. My Father. And that works out to about once every nine verses. How crucial was Jesus' Father to him? And I don't mean his earthly father, because his earthly father's been what? Removed. I'm talking about God the Father. And he repeatedly says, my father, my father, my father. And remember, he's living his life as a human being, the way, uh, not, not using his God powers, he's using his life, living his life as a human being, independent upon God, and all through that he says what? My father, my father, my father. So we're talking about a father who what? Won't fail us. Who won't let us down. No matter what has happened. Let me just say this right now while I'm thinking about it, lest I forget it. Our tendency is to say, okay, yes, God is father. He's my father. And I have earthly father. And we tend to say, well, yeah, but God can't replace my earthly father. But I want to say to you that's backwards. It's your earthly father cannot replace your heavenly father. If you can only have one, guess which one you want. Okay? Uh, and so we are in need of this father. So Jesus tells us that he listened carefully and diligently to what his father had to say to him. Okay? And he said, uh, I always do what my father tells me to do. And he says, I'm speaking the things that my father has told me to speak or shown me to speak. And so he was extremely dependent on his father, on his heavenly father. And he accomplished what 
his heavenly father had for him to do. He fulfilled his purposes. So I want you to see that Jesus' relationship, and again, I know sometimes it's hard in our mind to separate this idea of him being God, and he is God. But Jesus living as a human being, his relationship with his heavenly father was essential for him to succeed as the son of God. He needed that relationship with his father. And so while our earthly fathers can be a great help, and they can, right? They can help us to see what God is like. Uh, Proverbs says that the glory of children is their fathers. They, they naturally look to their father. And, and in essence, the, the, God's plan is they look to their father that they learn things about God. But that doesn't always happen, does it? Or we learn wrong things about God. So we understand what sin has done. But get this, no one needs to be trapped or doomed because of a father who failed or a father who was absent. I don't know if you ever heard the term that some people counseling talk about. It's called a father wound. A father wound. And the idea is that, we talked about it, everybody at some point or another, their, their fathers will let them down. Well, we don't have to be trapped by that. Because when we come to grips with what it means for God to be our father, he can overcome every one of those problems. You are not trapped. You are not doomed. God has a plan and will work in your life. And so that's the next thing we want to see is that God can personally be your father. God can personally be your father. It's not some thing way out there. You know, it's easy to use the term father for God, isn't it, without really thinking about what it means? It just becomes another name for God. Lord, God, Father. Are you guys with me on this? Okay. But God can very personally be your father and, and be that perfect father who never lets you down. And he can father you in any way and every way that you need a father. And God, when, when you look to God as father, he, he loves us, he provides for us, he protects us, he empowers us, he's very personal and present in our lives, caring, encouraging, strong, and he is safe in a relationship with God. That's a safe relationship. And I would venture to say that some of us here today, thinking about our earthly fathers, have not had a safe relationship there. But our heavenly father, always safe relationship. And so it's possible to enter into a relationship with God and begin seeing him as father and all that means. And so this deep longing that we have for a father and we do, whether we're conscious of it or not. God is ultimately the only one who can fulfill that longing. Because take this out of fatherhood. Any human being you ever look to to be all that you need, guess what? They won't be. It's impossible for them to be. But God can God can be this father for you like the story of the prodigal son. Right? You remember the story? The, the, this youngest son of this 
family says, I want my inheritance now. Now, when do you supposed to normally get your inheritance? When your parents or your dad dies, right? And so when he says, I want my inheritance now, what he's saying is you haven't died soon enough, dad. And off he goes. And we know the story. He lived a sinful life and lost everything and was destitute and finding this desperation. It hit him. What am I doing? My father. And he remembered his father. And when he went back, he, you know, he had a plan. I'm going to go tell my dad, oh, I'm not worthy to be your son. I'm all that. I, you know, I apologize. All that kind of stuff. But what happened? What happened? Do you remember the Bible tells us that the father, apparently looking way down the road, saw his son approaching. And what did he do? Who knows? What did he do? He ran. That chokes me up. He ran to his son and welcomed him back home and brought him back in as his son. And, and honored him and was so glad to have him. And what I want you to say is that, that it doesn't matter where you have been in life, what you have done before you got saved, after you got saved, I want you to know that if you turn back to the Lord, he runs to you. He wants you and he draws you in. This is the kind of father that you have. God can personally be your father in a way that meets that deep, deep longing. So let's look here again. A father of the fatherless, the defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. So a father of the fatherless. To whatever extent, and you say, well, I have a father. Yeah, but the idea is to whatever extent, any of those places in your life where your father was not present doing what he should have done. Or when he was present, not doing what he shouldn't have done. He wasn't acting like a good father. That your heavenly father will father you there. He's a father of those who need a father. You don't have to raise your hand today, but anybody here need a father? I, uh, like I said, my dad's been gone for a couple years now. I still need a father. And I have one. God the Father, my Father. So here's the reality. It says a defender of the widows. And notice he's taking care of those who have lost and have no one to take care of them. Okay? So the Father of the Fathers. But if you want God to be your Father, you must choose that. You must choose to let God be your Father. Because you may have heard, you know, if, you know people talk about human beings and say we're all children of God. Well, in one sense, since we are offspring of God, God is the one who brought us into existence. But when we talk about an actual relationship, a personal relationship where God is Father, we must choose that. And we choose that by receiving Christ as Savior. That's how we do that. We acknowledge that we have sinned against this holy God, this holy God who loves us and wants only the best for us, but we've done our own thing. We've, we've kind of like lived in the Garden of Eden and said, no, we're going to take care of this our way. We, we want to be our own God. And we've all lived that way. And that separates from him. But Jesus, he sent, God sent his son Jesus into the world. He lives that perfect, sinless life. And then he goes to the cross. And as he goes to the cross, God the Father takes the penalty for my sins and your sins and the sins of the whole world. And he dies there paying 
providing a sufficient payment for those sins. And then the offer, if he rises again, three days later, then the offer to us is that if we will acknowledge our need, I need a savior. I need to be forgiven. I don't have eternal life. I need all that stuff. And I believe Jesus died for me, rose again. And right now I'm going to trust Jesus to, to forgive my sins. I'm going to trust him to give me eternal life. And you make this once and for all, once in a lifetime decision. Okay, Lord, I believe. I receive your son as savior. And when we do that, John says, he says, as many as received him, to them, he gave the right to become what? Children of God. To those who believe in his name. He gave you the right to say to God, Father. You're my Father. Galatians chapter 4 talks about this way. It talks about that we, have, that we might receive the adoption as sons. When we become a child of God and when God becomes our Father, he, there's a sense in which he adopts us. And what's interesting in the, the Roman culture of this day is if a, a natural-born son or daughter, natural-born son, if the father was upset with the natural-born son, he could disown him. Disown him. Not my son anymore. Legally. But in the Roman culture, if you adopted a son, the law did not ever allow you to take that back. In other words, you adopt the son, it's what? Permanent. Permanent. And so, when we receive Christ as Savior, we are adopted by the Lord. And guess, so how long is that going to last? Permanently. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. He's never going to abandon us. Even if we walk away like the prodigal did, he's there, still present, waiting, desiring for us to have a good relationship with him. And, but he's still our Father. He is still permanently Father. So you have to make a choice for Christ, for, excuse me, for God to be your Father. Now, so if you have received Christ, God is your Father. You say, yeah, I know that. <laughs> I knew that before I got here today. That's right, let me, I want to challenge you here. If God is your father, you need to let your father father you. You need to let your father father you. So I remember kind of a silly time in my life when I was growing up, junior high, probably eighth grade. And back in the day, you know, it was when long hair became a thing. And we had these kind of little battles in my household about when I was going to get my hair cut. Anybody besides me experience that? Anybody here remember that? Some, a few of you, yeah, okay. So, here I am. We go on this amazing vacation out west, and my hair's getting longer too long. And I thought, you know what? When I get home, I'm going to go get a haircut. Because I knew, you know, but... And my dad went and ruined it all. Because the day before we come home, he says, when we get home, you're getting a haircut. <laughs> no, I was mad. <laughs> because I didn't want him to father me in that way, right? And this isn't about whether I should have got a haircut or not, right? But what I'm trying to say to you is that we need to let our... If, you're, if you are a young person here today, you need to let your father father you. You need to humble yourself and listen 
and learn. Even when those may be things that you don't really like or you wish things were different, humble yourself, learn, let him father you. But we need to do the same thing with God, don't we? We need to let our heavenly father father us. And that means we need to cooperate with him. We need to be in his word. We need to be saying, God, what do you say? This is what Jesus said repeatedly. I do what the Father tells me. I do what the Father tells me. I do what the Father tells you. Well, what is the Father telling you? Well, he's telling you these things, isn't he? He speaks to you here. And so if you're going to experience the blessings, let me, let's look here in, in verse number six. Verse six. This is in the context of a father of the fatherless and the one who takes care of the widows. And then verse 6, God sets the solitary in families. All right, so that could mean very... I don't know if anybody's here today with no family anywhere. I mean, no family that isn't so extended you don't know who they are, right? No parents, no children, no brothers, sisters, uh, no aunts and uncles. That may be you, but I want you to know If you know Christ, what has your father done? He has brought you into a family. This is your family. That's a good thing, folks. It really, really is. So he sets the solitary in families one way or another. When we become his child, he takes care of us. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. So he works in our lives. What are the things that bind us? The Bible talks about being bound by sin, the consequences of sin, how we think about things. It says God goes to work in our lives to deliver us from this and bring this out from them, not only just to not do them anymore, but into a life that's fulfilling and a blessing and secure and encouraging, a life you can be excited about living. That's what your heavenly father will do for you. But then it says this, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. What's that about? Well, it's really talking about when we don't let God, our heavenly father, father us, life starts to dry up. You know what it's like to be really thirsty? And then not have anything to drink? Right? It's a dry land. Uh, anybody ever want to try to keep your lawn green, but it just won't do it? It's dry, turns brown. He's talking about that's what we'll experience in our lives. God will still be our Father, He's still there for us, but we aren't, we aren't having it. We're not going to let Him father us. And so I would say to you here today, and, and boy, this happens, it just hap- happens in my life more than it should, and it happens in your lives, and that's that we find ourselves from time to time where we actually know what God wants us to do, but we just don't do it. That's a really bad idea. But we don't do it, and guess what? Our soul starts to dry out. We start to dry up and wither, and we aren't fruitful and all the stuff, that, the mess that comes into life. We need to let our Heavenly Father father us. And that's where we say, okay, God, I I surrender to you. Whatever you say, that's what I want. That's what I will do. And we we grow with him and let him teach us. We teach us with knowledge, but he teaches us also through our mistakes and and turns them for good things. And Glenda and I were driving recently around here. We were out a little west here yesterday and just looking. 
There are so many trees here, aren't there? I mean, it's just green everywhere. You see, that's what God will do in our souls when we let him father us. It comes to life. Becomes fruitful in our lives. So just let me encourage you today. Whatever your experience with your earthly father has been, I know that none of them have been perfect for you and some of them have been terrible for you. But the reality is, is that if you receive Christ, you have a heavenly father who will more than make up for your earthly father's failings. He will fill any gap that's left if we will let him father. So you need a father who won't fail and let you down. You need that. And God can personally be that father for you. Okay? You have to choose that. Choose to receive Christ. And then you must choose to let him father you. To cooperate with him in that. And you will experience I mean, you, you get to choose your father. Isn't that amazing? And the only one you get to choose is the perfect one. Father, we come before you today, and I say, Father, there, Lord, sometimes it just comes out without even thinking about it. Father, thank you for the relationship that you provide us. I do pray, Lord, if there's anyone here today who has never started that relationship or maybe someone watching or listening later, Lord, who hasn't ever started that relationship, I pray, stir their hearts. And I pray that this very day, Lord, this very moment, they would just say, yes, God, that's me. I believe that. I receive Jesus as Savior. And I pray, Father, if they have questions or obstacles that they don't know how to overcome in that decision, that they would reach out. That they would humble themselves and reach out so that not only can Christ be their Savior, but you can be their Father. And I pray, Father, you would start to fill our minds and our hearts with understanding of what it really means to have you as Father. How personal that is. How real that is. And that we would yield ourselves to you and let you father us. Let you be that Father in our lives. Knowing that, boy, that's, that's what we were meant for. And that's where the blessings are. Help us to see that and remember that and not believe Satan's lie. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.